0: You're listening to Metal Matters, a weekly gimme radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill. If you like metal, punk, hardcore, or anything extreme, you've come to the right place. So subscribe and never miss out. Once again, welcome to 2020. Everyone who missed last week's episode, I'd like to welcome you back. This week, we have Jamie Stillman of the band Relaxer, and also of the guitar effects company, Earthquaker Devices. Jamie and I talk about the band and its um, you know, genesis from some of his former bands, a band that I quite like called Party of Helicopters. And also uh, the fascinating story of this very cool effects company, Earthquaker Devices. And um, you know, that's the kind of thing I'm really interested in. I like uh, people who come out of the DIY scene and apply that ethic to something that is a little bit more legit as like a legitimate business making electronic devices such as the aforementioned Earthquaker devices. I caught up with Jamie when the relaxer played at St. Vitus. It was a bit of a challenge to find a place that was quiet. So shout out to Champion Coffee for letting us post up there for a bit. Uh, It has a bit of a rough-and-tumble vibe because of, uh, you know, it's a raw recording. We're out in the field. Also, due to some technical difficulties, the very end of this interview got compromised. So, there is a somewhat abrupt ending to our pleasant chat that we had. Apologies for that. Anyway, onward.
1: What brings you to Brooklyn, Jamie? <laughs> My band Relaxer are playing a show tonight at Saint Vitus.
0: Are you on tour, or is this? It's just
1: a little weekend trip. A weekend we trip. Rochester last night, and tomorrow we're playing beautiful Youngstown, Ohio.
0: Oh, Youngstown, the, a town that's prominently featured in a lot of Devo's material.
1: Is it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, that I song, Auto no Auto
0: Modem. Oh. They talk about Youngstown specifically. I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> I believe Devo's from that part of the country. Yeah, they're from Akron, where yeah, I'm from. where you're from. Yeah. Yeah. At uh, Rochester, you play at the Bug Jar?
1: Not at the Bug Jar. We played at a place called Rosen Crown. We were trying to play the Bug Jar, but it was booked. Yeah. It's a weird I, city,
0: Rochester. It, I've been playing in Rochester for, I don't know, like 20 years, man. At least 20 years, actually, yeah. and uh, it's, it's definitely an interesting sort of industrial, uh, post-industrial sort yeah. of vibe place. You it's know? much
1: bigger than I thought it was. I've never seen it during the day. The last time I was there was 2003, and I was uh, my old band, Party of Helicopters, played at the Bug Jar.
0: You know, uh, Lydia Lunch is originally from oh, no Rochester, that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, there's a main drag that's in um, Rochester by the Bug Jar. That she refers to in a lot of her writing, and then back back in the early '80s, late '70s, it was like uh, you know, peep shows and all this other kind of like seedy activity yeah. to go on there. And uh, now it's a little bit different. Yeah, so it's a nice <laughs> Thai restaurant there, yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So, Party Helicopters, yeah, um, that band is quite different than Relaxer. You know, Party Very, Helicopters yeah. being sort of in that uh, screamo. Um, late 90s kind of sound. Yeah. And Party of Helicopters is sort of morphed into Relaxer, which is more of a psychedelic, like, heavy rock kind of thing. Yeah,
1: which is, like, slowly morphing into just a doomy caveman band yeah. <laughs> the longer that we go. <laughs> so, like, what was the creative trajectory between? Between the two bands? Well, yeah. there was a couple bands in between. Well, I know you played yeah. a ton of other bands. <laughs> yeah. So Party of Helicopters is a weird band in which, like, I was pretty heavily involved with, like, punk rock music and like the diy scene and everything but all the other dudes were not they were you know like a lot of just all kinds of stuff like you know a lot of like I don't know, death metal and shoegaze music okay. and like just no punk rock really at all and i loved van halen like that's probably my like main influence this was all the flashy guitar but it was like we always played with all these like punk rock bands so it was like blazing fast drums and stuff yeah short songs and it was just kind of morphed into its own weird thing where we would get called emo or screamo or metal or shoegaze or shoegaze metal all this weird stuff but you know the the van
0: halen influence on your playing though it's funny because there's um (laughs) there's a lot of playing that
1: goes on in party helicopter songs and
0: uh there was you know, there was a couple of bands that kinda of played around in that style. Like a hot cross comes to mind. Yeah. It's like they have like the kind of noodly guitar things mm-hmm. going on. But I was like, man, that dude's like You know, a lot you of say band, band, a lot of pull offs, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of Van Halen esque kind a lot of, of things.
1: Slides, yep. A lot of dive bombs. Yeah. And as I gotten older my hands are slower, so I can't really do as many of them. But I mean, after Party of Helicopters broke up, I took a long time off from playing music, and I actually just, I managed the Black Keys. Oh, wow. Okay. So I did that for a long time, and then in the middle of that, I was in a band called Teeth of the Hydra, which was like a real doomy metal band. I played drums in it. Every song was like 15 minutes long. Now, playing drums, was that, I always
0: feel like drummers are born and not made
1: yeah, I have, I have been playing drums for as long as I can remember. Okay, good. I'm a
0: drummer first. The question I was going to ask you <laughs> is like maybe the lack of like formal ability might have uh, contributed to the sound of the band, the, the slow-plotting kind of okay. vibe to it.
1: It could, but it was a very, like, it would be like 15-minute long songs with like 400 parts, and it yeah. would be like Blazing Fast, but then for the most part it was like very droney, repetitive, super heavy. I did one tour with Sour Vein. And then broke up because the other guys were like, they lived two hours away, Yeah, four hours of driving, plus all the touring that I was doing with Black Keys. I just couldn't do that anymore. That must have been quite a gig, man, playing with uh, being a tour manager for them. It was was definitely eye-opening. I mean, it was during the period of time where they were blowing up. Yeah, And I was like, you know, I'm not really familiar with, like, that scene. I, like, I, you know, whatever that, whatever you want to call that scene. Uh, it was very interesting to watch. And it was also nice because it was, like, the first time I went on tour and, like, I made a paycheck and I slept oh, in yeah. hotel room so I got to be on a bus. I was <laughs> like, oh, this shit is great. <laughs> and I wasn't playing, but I did really enjoy tour managing. It was just, yeah. like, traveling office job.
0: Well, on that level, too, it's it's not like the level that you and i are probably more used no, to no, where no. you gotta like shake some kid down <laughs> yeah. bring her to the, the cash machine to give you your yeah. money and that kind of thing when
1: Tea of the hydra did that tour of sour and i literally got off the bus from the black keys and immediately got in a van and did that tour and on the first day it was like oh this is like serious culture shock like i'm very familiar with this world but like coming right off of like the bus or whatever yeah a little Kind of jarring, yeah. Right? But uh, you know, I, I still love all that, so I'm I'm doing it right now, and I'm like 42, <laughs> like I'm still doing it. I I love doing that, and I mean, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, in a you know, eventually touring with them, like it just ended up not being good for anything. Just gone for long stretches of yeah. time, acting like a pirate. Uh, but uh, I had formed a drummer for a little while, or a band called Drummer with Pat Carney, the drummer from Black Keys. Oh, wow, okay. That That guy's a
0: pretty insane drummer. Yeah,
1: he played bass in the band. I played guitar. Uh, (laughs) It's so stupid, the name drummer. Everybody in the band were drummers, and we were all playing different instruments. But it was a very poppy, just pop-oriented band. Put out one record, did one tour, and that band morphed into Relaxer. Oh, okay. And Relaxer, when we started, were more like just... Very loud sound, like cinematic, I yeah. would say. well, like, that's still definitely there. Yeah, I mean, it is. We had a synth player, though. No bass player, synth player. He played bass synth and then like lead keys. Very prog rock, very punishing, but soft, softly punishing. Uh, and then when he quit, we just started slowly getting heavier, and now it's just, I don't even know what you would call it. I just refer to it as, like, caveman prog. Yeah, I would. There's, a, there's like, um, like
0: a hard rock vibe to it. I definitely, would say. A yeah, and, definitely a hard rock. definitely a hard uh, rock vibe. You know, as opposed to just like straight brutality. Yeah, you know, there's, definitely. There's like a, you know, like a hard rock, Pink Floyd, possibly, um, sort of element to it. Accurate. You know, and um, real quick though, shout out to Champion Coffee, uh, Manhattan Avenue, Greenpoint for. We're doing this interview here at mm-hmm. Champion Coffee, and yeah. uh, you know there's a lot of background noise. There's Roxy it. music in the background. Yep. So,
1: Delicious so coffee, so though. Who knows
0: what's gonna? The next selection is gonna be. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> so when did Earthquaker Devices come into existence, and um, how did it come into existence? It actually like amidst it, all this activity, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's
1: 2005. Okay. Really, I kind of started building pedals in 2004. When Party of Helicopters broke up, I had nothing to do. I had like, no real job. <laughs> a lot of time on my I head. I know that feeling. <laughs> so, <laughs> I started, uh, oddly enough, I started uh, selling just silverware on eBay. Because there's a story in the local, pa- lo- local paper about a guy who made a million dollars selling like antique spoons. Wow. Okay. So my wife bought this box of old silverware in an estate sale, cleaned it up and I put it up on eBay and made it like a killing. It was like, oh, this is great because there's no end to tag sales and thrift stores around where we're from. Sure. So like every week I go collect all the stuff, we polish it up, put it on eBay and like that became my job. And you I know, had that... all this like ridiculous time on my hands, so I started collecting gear. I yeah. was just like obsessed with pedals but I wasn't playing in a band. And uh, that sort of led me to just build some pedals. But, like, the real start of it was I had this old DOD overdrive and it broke and I couldn't find anyone to fix it. So I looked it up on the Internet, found a schematic, and it was on a DIY website called General Guitar Gadgets. And that just kind of opened up the door. From the time I found that until now, like, I've just been building pedals. Like, I got really obsessed with it. And, you you know, I was just starting to tour manage the black keys and i had also landed a super awesome job as a freelance graphic designer oh wow okay where, like i got paid very well to do really boring powerpoints from home
0: so from it was home like from a, home is the operative yeah right exactly yeah.
1: and it was like sort of like creatively uh soul-sucking work but the money was great and all of that played into like I had this time and like the a little bit of money to put into just kind of this hobby and then you know it started making pedals for friends and I was like oh maybe I'll put them on eBay and then what really caught on is uh, there's a video of the Black Keys on an old website called Harmony Central and someone was like what is that pedal and I was like oh I made it and then from that point on I literally was just I've just been making pedals
0: now let me ask you a question The, the big To me, like, uh, you have a box, right? You plug your guitar into it, you plug the other side into an amp, and magically something happens. Yeah. You know, like a reverb or some sort of, like, you know, polymorphic, uh, you know, synth or delay. And I'm like, do you have a background in, like, electrical engineering or anything like that? (laughs)
1: Like,
0: how the hell do you you
1: figure that out? I have, like, a half background in design, too. I never got a degree in that, but I (laughs) had a great job. Uh... I really wish I had an answer for that. I mean, I learned from the internet. Okay. There's a lot of DIY websites dedicated solely to building pedals. And there's a really great book from the 70s, I think, called Electronics Projects for Musicians. Okay. And uh, it explains electronics to dummies. And really, everything I learned started with that. I still have to go. Like, I'll get stuck sometimes. I'll go back and, like, just Google stuff, you know. I can... But something resonated there. Like, I've always been a tinkerer. Like, even as a kid, like, I would take apart like my grandparents' furniture and put it back together. I built model rockets, like used to tinker with old cars and stuff. I've just always been like that. Uh, And it, I don't know, it combines like, and you know, graphic design, playing guitar, being the tinker, it kind of combines all of that stuff into one little package. Yeah, because I think
0: guitarists in general, like, you know, if you play a stringed instrument, that has electrics, electronics yeah. involved. Like you're, you're naturally curious about tinkering. Like, I mean, every yeah. guitar player I know is like taking apart a guitar. Yeah. or like try to change the pickups. And, and
1: I was definitely one of those people. I'm like, I, you know, I was the only, I was a kid in the neighborhood that had like the eight track. So I record everyone's bands and stuff. Yeah. So I was always, I was just interested in sound and like, that's how I think about all of this stuff is like a design project and like sound design and package design. And, uh, I feel like, I don't know, for whatever reason, I feel lucky that, like, I can keep coming up with ideas. Yeah. I don't really even know where they come from.
0: Like, it's... My first uh, (laughs) awareness of Earthquaker devices was, uh, I don't know, back maybe four or five years ago. uh, We were on tour with Paul Bearer. Oh, yeah. And we we were... I forgot what date through the Midwest it was, but I remember those guys showed up one day at the venue. And they all had, like... Yeah. Like a million other (laughs) new new pedals. Because those guys... Above pedals. Yeah. And they had a, a bunch of pedals already. Yeah. And then they showed up with these tiny boxes of, like, brand new pedals. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's this all about? Where do you guys get all these? Do you, like, uh, you know, rob, like, a music store or something like that? <laughs> or do they fall <laughs> off a truck? Or what's the deal? So they, that's when I became aware of the Quaker Devices because ah, cool. they told me all about it. So I was like, oh, this is cool. Then, you know, the rest of the tour was those guys like figuring out how to use everything yeah. and, like every night there's like, Whoa, there's like this big washy reverb out of nowhere, man. Yeah. You know,
1: we just play with them about a month ago. They are experts at it now. Oh, good. I'm <laughs> glad to hear it. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're a pretty great band. and yeah, I it. That, that tour was a lot of fun. They're, they're pretty cool guys to yeah. hang out with. Yeah. Yeah. They're super cool. So it feels like recently there's been like, um, you know, more, more of like a higher profile yeah. for the company. Yeah. Right. And, uh, cause I, I think, I think actually Dean Del Rey, the podcaster. Yeah. Do you know him personally? I do. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, that's, that's, I did his podcast very early on. Oh, right on, man. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think if I actually heard the episode you did with him, but I remember on, uh, he mentioned Earthquaker devices yeah. cause I, I don't listen to it regularly, huh? but, um, you know, here and there.
1: I'll... Yeah. We used to advertise on a show we did for like two years straight. Oh, wow. Uh, I can't remember how we met, Dean. I gotta be honest with you, but Dean kind of opened like uh, my wife and I, uh, Julie. You know, we run the company. Uh, love stand-up comedy. Sure. And like I'm way into the history of it, and I really wanted to see the comedy store. And Dean was like, "I'll give you a tour." So oh, we wow. got to go to the comedy store, and he took us on a tour around the backstage. And like he's like, "This is Sam Kinison's tiny Coke piano," and like it's like, "This is great. This is awesome. It was super cool." And that night, Mark Marin and. Was like you know he had like a fifteen minute spot and he's like we love that podcast he's like I'll introduce you to Mark oh wow we met met him and everything was fucking amazing and then I you know did his show and then yeah we advertised on his show and we advertised on uh, what the fuck and it was like it was super cool to have an in (laughs) into that world yeah uh I feel like people hear about Earthquaker from all different kinds of like weird places but like, like we. I, I mean, I, people tell us this all the time, and I'm starting to notice it. Like, we fall into these situations where we're, like, in a world outside of guitar effects, but it totally helps. No, like, it definitely does. Yeah, the <laughs> word. No, guitar feel, effects. Yeah. And we just attract all these, like, different kinds of interesting people. Because y- cool.
0: your effects also show up in these very, yeah.
1: um, you
0: know, if you go to a shop that has more, like if, if you go into a rec, uh, not a record store, but a, a music store mm-hmm. that's ru- run by guys who are in bands, yeah. Right? For example, I'm thinking of uh, in in Syracuse specifically. There's, uh, you know, the Gorham Brothers. Oh yeah, yeah 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 yeah. All those guys are in a band. They've mm-hmm. been playing music their entire lives. And you go to a, if you go into a music a music store like that, that's where you'll find the Earthquaker Devices materials. Yeah, you'll find it there. Like yeah. maybe not in Guitar Center, you know, where it's like It is in Guitar Center. It is. Yeah. Excellent. We're in every
1: every one of the chains. <laughs>
0: That's awesome, man. No, but that is good. And like
1: Yeah. Um yeah, I mean for us, like that internally, that has been a very it's been a very slow growth. And there are periods of time where people are like, Yeah, they're just exploding, but like it's been like a slow climb, like from just me building pedals one by one in the basement to like You know, the first employees, and now we're up to like almost 50 employees. We were over 50 for a while, and we kind of scaled it back just a little bit. Um, And then, you know, we got in Guitar Center pretty early on, but it was like a slow climb for that. But, you know, it's all a little bit calculated. It's like you don't want all your eggs in like a big basket like that. We do, I mean, we come, we all, almost everybody at Earthquaker is in a band or plays music. We almost all come from a DIY, like punk rock background like working with real stores and like working with, like, local stores. And uh, there's room for people in, you know, all of that stuff, like chains. Like, as long as you know what you're doing, like, it's totally safe to get involved in all those things. And you need to attract different people from all of those. But, like you were saying, Gorham Brothers, like, touring musicians and stuff like that, those are the people who I think really get the stuff that we're making and a lot of people have brought it up to me lately, where it's like I think a lot of these people are attracted to this because they, you know, you're still playing in bands. Like, like I have pedals on my pedal board that will eventually be Earthquaker pedals. Like, you know, I build stuff that I want, I put it on the board, I try it out for like a year, and I'm like, is this good? Is it not? So that, good? that's the process, then. Yeah, you know, uh, the R and D process for a long time.
0: Yeah. Did yeah. you you come up with a you dream up some sort of
1: sound, yeah. and
0: then you develop it. And then if it works, then it goes into production, right? That's pretty much yeah. The se- all right. There's
1: a couple things, though, where I'm like, this works for me. But I don't think anybody else <laughs> would want this. <laughs> and those always end up being my favorite things. And uh, I don't know why. Like, maybe I'm just hoarding them.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so there's actually a production floor that your spot oh, yeah, that has, yeah. like, different,
1: you know. Yeah, I, we got a... Uh, um, you know, it started in a basement. Yeah. And then it moved to another basement. And then like we eventually outgrew there. We had about ten people working in a three hundred and fifty square foot room. This is two thousand twelve. We moved out to a shop that was like seventeen hundred square feet and within six months had thirty employees and had no room left. So we were there for almost two years and then we just moved to the building that we just bought. It's in downtown Akron, it's about fifteen thousand square feet. Um most of our staff is production. We populate all of the pedals. Like, all of the circuit boards are populated by hand. They're all soldered in-house. They're all... All the cases are drilled, printed in-house. We assemble everything, box it all there. It's all done to order. It's still just a big version of what it used to be like. And we do about 1,500 pedals a week Wow, that way. That's pretty, pretty... Uh, yeah, pretty and I mean, it's starting to get... You know, we're kind of at, like, the capacity... <laughs> So it's a constant struggle. Uh, not, I wouldn't say struggle. It's not a struggle. It's a, con- a constant puzzle. Like you have to keep adapting over and over again. Now,
0: as far as like learning how to run a business, you know, uh, how did that – what was that,
1: that journey <laughs> like? So for Earthquaker, I got to be honest, like I never – I never really intended to start a business. There's like no plan. There's no money like put aside for it. It was just it slowly progressed. Before Earthquaker, I ran a record label for like I started a label when I was 13 from Christmas money that I had collected. Put out a compilation record, and then I ran that for like 10 years. Oh,
0: actually, wasn't the uh, the uh, party helicopter stuff you released? Yeah, a lot I put of... out a bunch of that. Yeah,
1: and yeah, a bunch of local bands. I think I had almost 100 releases by the end of the label. Uh, so Earthquaker, like as it started to grow, like I kind of was running it like a, a record label. Whereas, like I make a thing, I'll kind of put a little bit of it out there, but for the most part, I'll wait and see if people want it, and then people come to me, and that's how I, we got like all of our earliest dealers, like word of mouth. People would come to us. We didn't even advertise until 2012, and at that point, we had like like I said, like 30 employees. Very lucky with all that stuff, but it was like not you know, just keep moving forward. Like I wasn't sitting back and thinking about it. But uh eventually one day I was like, I, there's, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like this is an actual business. Yeah. That's when it gets scared. Uh, right? My wife, Julie is a genius. <laughs> She's really good with money, really good with planning, really good with managing people. She was a financial planner before this. She came in 2012 full time and she runs Earthquaker. Like it's, the day-to-day operations what we do how we do it like where we advertise how we do that people we work with contracts money everything she does all of that uh and you know we run it together or or whatever like there's a plan for that but she's you know totally equipped to do that and as we've grown you know we've attracted more people who are like you know like-minded and cool but also you know real knowledge in business in this industry so like you know we pick up people along the way and like we have a a seriously amazing staff who like for marketing and for sales and stuff like that all weird in their own right way and like totally on board with like the way we think and you know we try to be super good employers and like it's not not in corporate environment at all you know health insurance full benefits like you know, just trying to be a good employer, um, and you know she's been great at doing all that stuff. If this was left up to me, like I would, I would be in a panic. Like health insurance, how do we do it?
0: Uh, <laughs> I'd be like, here, here's fifty dollars cash. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, see exactly. What you can do. Are you sick? <laughs> yeah. uh, feel your head.
1: Here's some aspirin. Uh, but no, like you know, it's a. Uh, fully functioning business like i'm it's definitely at a point where like (laughs) i'm 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 even confused by a lot (laughs) who does the artwork so i did the artwork on everything up to 2012 okay and then we have a, a friend and a former employee really matt Horak. His first pedal that he did the artwork on was the depths. And he does the illustration, then I do the layout for the pedals. Um, and he has done pretty much every pedal since then. But he got hired by Marvel Comics. Oh, wow. And so he, does he live out here now? No, or? no. He lives in Akron, and he, he kept his uh, illustration office in Earthquaker. So he comes in from, like, midnight till 6 a.m. and draws... Like, Spider-Man Deadpool, Punisher. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, for Marvel. What's the guy's name again? Matt Horak. Dude, because I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a comic book fan. Oh, cool. So i, I got to look and see if, if I have any any issues. His first he... thing was the Covenant with Rob Lifefield Yeah, that okay. That was the first thing he did. Yeah. And then uh, it kind of took off from there. So he's been super busy. So last year, I did a couple of the pedals again. Like, I did the artwork for the plumes, and I did the artwork for the Swiss things, and a they're all very simple stuff. Um, that was initially my, like, the thing I really looked forward to was, like, I want to do the art for these things. And then it kind of got out of hand. Like, as I had more, we grew, and I had more stuff I had to do and, like, really had to focus on designing products. Like, yeah. Just pass more stuff on. And his, his stuff is amazing.
0: Yeah, it the aesthetic really cool. aspect of things, too, is, like, that's, for me personally, yeah. um, you know, and I'm attracted to, like, things that have, like, a strong visual identity to yeah. them. And uh, I I could say that the Earthquaker definitely does.
1: Yeah. You know. And we've kind of, uh, I mean, without really having to talk about it too much, you know, you make little changes here and there, but we've kind of kept the same identity the whole time, which is a little bit, you know, mysterious, a little bit simple, but like just interesting enough, I feel like still when I go into music stores and like see it, I'm like, well, you can tell what it is. So I guess it worked out. Like we, thank God, made a brand. (laughs) Yeah, it stands. It stands yeah. out
0: for sure, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you're saying that you're into you're into um, comedians, yeah. And uh, you know, Dean, right, Del Rey. Yeah. What, what other stuff are you into at all? But in that realm, uh, I gotta you think because I always get I, <laughs> There's a lot. And I get dry draw, I draw a blank I, all the time. I feel like right now though we're in this kind of like uh, heyday. Oh, not heyday, but like a, oh, a I, renaissance. I would, if you will,
1: I would agree. Like Amy Schumer is probably one of my favorite comedians. Okay. I really like. Uh, uh, obviously, Mark Mayer and Dean Del Rey. Um, uh, the name's escaping me right now. Anthony it's... Jeselnik. Oh yeah! Oh man,
0: one of the darkest. <laughs> yeah, I know. Guy who's we still actually, funny. <laughs> last time we were, in,
1: uh, we went to the comedy store. He, he was. Uh, he had a, like a little twenty-minute spot. And my wife fell asleep. Oh man, Dude, we had been up all night, and she fell yeah, asleep during change. a set, and I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, we're gonna die somehow or another." He's gonna see this, and we're gonna die. <laughs> that would be in his next bit, yeah, probably about how he murdered somebody CK before <laughs> whatever the hell happened with that. And <laughs> she used to stay out of it, I guess. Uh, you know, Bill Burr. Uh Before all that, like I kind of I grew up on like Mister Show, yeah, and stuff okay. like that. I love. And like you know, Arrested Development, like that kind of humor. I guess um, Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks is great too. Yeah. yeah, and I you know I love like all the old weird stuff like Sam Kinison. Yeah, classic Eddie Murphy, Richard yep. Pryor. All yeah, that stuff. Uh, I like to though. I like just to go into like the comedy clubs and like you just see. I like just to be surprised by people and I never remember their names. It's the worst worst things. But like there's some really funny. Like I saw. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce her name eliza
0: schlesinger yeah yeah
1: early on like now she seems to be doing killing it lately but i haven't really enjoyed the specials but when i saw her at the comedy store like five years ago i think six years ago hilarious
0: i haven't Um, seen too much live comedy i i i it's i gotta be honest i've only really embraced it in the last six or seven years yeah you know like i used to Oh, yeah, I like Lenny Bruce because he's not funny, you yeah, know, and it's yeah. more of, like, the spoken word kind of thing. Yeah. But now I really appreciate it in and of itself as mm-hmm. an art form when you it think is. about the process of how they come up with material.
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel like just there's a certain personality that comedians have, and I think that I it's kind of, like, the personality that I... Everybody thinks about the world and, like, this... I feel like they all kind of have this sort of dreary... Like everything is awful, but we're gonna be okay, kind yeah. of vibe. Sure, and those are the ones that I'm always attracted to. There's something about that that I like. But even as a kid, like I used to watch Eddie Murphy raw on repeat. Like you know, as a it, child, watch it again, and, and
0: some of that humor just wouldn't fly this day. Absolutely <laughs> not. You know no, what I,
1: mean? I did watch. I watched yeah. that and delirious, and it was like. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, this is so offensive. It's ridiculous. But that's okay, though, really, because <laughs>
0: yeah. I, for me, it's like I don't think there are certain things. If it's not for your taste, then if yeah, it's offensive it's not, to I, you, then don't, don't watch it. I am don't not enjoy
1: easily it. offended yeah. at all. I try not to offend other people. I used to be way worse about that. I feel like I used to offend everybody all the time, but... That wasn't hard to do in 90s punk rock culture. No.
0: I got to say, though, man, this, this Americano that I'm drinking right now is fantastic. Yeah. I'm so really the, enjoying this.
1: That's why I feel like I'm saying like a million things <laughs> real quickly. It, was, it is great.
0: <laughs> Tim, the guy who does uh, your, your PR, yeah. indicated to me that you and I had met one time yes. before. Okay. <laughs> it was uh it was at the more than a music festival yeah. in uh, that was in Columbus, Ohio. Was,
1: yeah. That was a while ago, man. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And what's weird is right before uh you know, we had the email introduction like literally a week before that somebody had sent me all these photos of party of helicopters from that fest and a video. And in the video like I am raging. <laughs> But it's with your guitar. I am treating your guitar like it's mine because we had the same guitar, the Epiphone Scroll. Yep. The SC five fifty, that model of it. Which they're very they're pretty rare guitars. Even now they're rare guitars. Yeah, definitely. But back then, to find somebody at the same like kind of punk rock show that would have that ridiculous guitar yeah. is like one in a billion. So what had happened like was like the dude who ran our label had my guitar in his trunk and he got caught in traffic. And I, we had a mutual friend who was like, I know somebody who has that guitar. And I was like, you've <laughs> got to be kidding me. And then, like, five minutes later, produced it the same color and everything. It was like a Starburst kind of, I think... It was general, natural. Just nat- yeah, na- it was like a natural, natural color. Yeah, natural yeah. guitar. And, like... I think I, even when I first responded to you in an email, I had finally apologized to yeah. you. It was like watching the video, I'm swinging it around and like hitting it on stuff. I'm like Eventually, I had the smashed ground. that guitar to bits at oh, some God. point.
0: So, it's, <laughs> you know, like maybe a year after that, I oh. completely destroyed it. I so. still have
1: mine. Well, it, was it was smashed to bits at one point, though. It was glued back together. It
0: was a, during that period of time when... Um, yeah, I was quite fond of the band Dead Guy at that okay, time. Yeah. They were always like swinging their guitars uh-huh. around and smashing people with it. And I think I take a little too far.
1: Uh-huh. And broke it beyond repair. I so. uh, do that now. Oh. I don't know why. Like over the last like five years, I've become way more violent with guitars. <laughs> and I've broken a few, so I've toned it down a little. But I have no idea. Like half the time, what it is that I'm doing. It was sort of like an impulse response. That fest was like, actually a pretty cool fest. That one was awesome. Yeah. It was like Lightning Bolt and High on Fire and Shellac. Yeah, Shellac. And uh, who uh, else yeah. the Caven play? Not Caven, but uh, uh, uh,
0: uh, the other the other uh, Boston band, yeah, Converge. Converge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, what actually I was really excited about was Ian Svavonius' band. Oh yeah. Uh, the it, name I can't was it even makeup remember. Makeup or Weird it, War?
1: It, it wasn't either one of those bands. Oh. It was a different Ian Svavonius band that played. I remember because Michelle was in the band. Yes, she was dressed in all white. Yep, they played the same day that we did, and for whatever reason, I was wearing all white too, and we were standing next to each other looking like nurses.
0: <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of everything that you know, Nation Ulysses. Me too. Like made the makeup, he's all still that stuff. A genius. Yeah, he's, like, great. he's a,
1: I can't believe that he isn't like one of the most famous people on earth.
0: I. I... It seems like a no-brainer that that guy would be a celebrity or yeah. something, you know. What it, I mean, he
1: is in his own right. Oh yeah, for sure, yeah. But yeah. like, but like in a bigger, yeah, more commercial like he, sense, he seems like he would be like, like on you know, like Vice, you know, own, yeah, exactly. he would own Vice or yeah, Vice or something like that. That yeah. show he did, Soft Focus, is so good.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Bratmobile played as well. Yeah. Yep, that was cool.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's like fest's like that. I. There, I feel like that—that that was definitely an end of an era. Like when it, it, that know.
1: definitely. Uh, there's actually I have another good story from that fest. Of, you know, friends with Black Heads, I was friends with the Locust. I introduced Pat to Joey and Gabe from the Locust. Within a minute, they were fist fighting. Pat, I think, had put his cigarette out in one of their drinks, Ooh. and they like both went at him. But Pat's like nine feet tall, and those guys are real short. Yeah, they're real little and guys. He was, they were like. Yeah hanging on him he's like I'm getting bit by locusts and it turned into this big thing like they attacked the Black Keys van and covered it in locust stickers when they played in LA and then I think it was the LA Weekly did a story where they were both on the cover and they had made up oh good Good. But uh, yeah. we have, i have this on video somewhere, like this introduction with that thing. But I haven't seen it since.
0: So I—I'm I, it's, it's glad they made up because uh, Justin's a cool guy. Oh, I love Justin. You know, he does some videos a, for us. He's actually. a brilliant guy too. Man. Yeah, he
1: is. Yeah. I was like—I uh, kind of fallen out of that whole thing for a little while, and then like just checked back in like a few years ago. Like, what's going on with like the San Diego thing? I used to love all those ba- Antioch Era and Heroin were like two of my favorite bands ever. And I love the locust too, and like all the stuff that he did. But uh, yeah, like just to see like how well that he had been doing, he had maintained the shit that he had always done, Justin JP, yeah. and he is still doing it, and he has made a career out of it, and by just sticking to it, and he looks great. Oh yeah, and all of his bands like yeah. rip, and it's like good for him. It's yeah. fucking great. And then like we weren't like really friends back then, but I you know I think I sent out an email, or maybe he emailed me, or something like that, and. Like it was totally like kinda of back. Like we were friends. It was cool. And then we've done some videos. He's did awesome. he
0: do the video for like the, the music video or, or, uh, or did, some I of think the we Orc- did like a
1: we do like a Earthquaker does a series yeah, I've seen videos a of videos. There's like a show us your junk where people show us the gear they have and then board to death where they show the pedal boards. And he did a board to death, I think, showed us his like live rig. Yeah, I I,
0: I was always like that. Screamo San Diego thing. I'm yeah. a fan of the music, but I was never really part of. it. Well, like, it was like a cult. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that
1: was the thing. I mean, I feel like I was just kind of skipping around that. It was like we had we were like from Kent, Ohio, which is like backwoods. Oh, I know, I know like, where Kent. I've been
0: to Kent, Ohio yeah. twice
1: actually. Oh, wow!
0: In the last uh for what? Uh, just that's one of those towns you play, man. Yeah, exactly. It was like
1: that. Well, we started doing like punk rock shows there, and like we didn't have like we were just weird people who were into like punk rock it was all different kinds of people like you know we had no problem with like a straight edge hardcore band and like you know a band that sounded like sonic youth and then like a total totally offensive joke band all being on the same bill together no one cared there was no politics in that scene there was no unified code but then like Every city at that time had their own thing like that. And I San Diego's like, was, like, very flashy and in-your-face. Yep. And it was, like, ripe for us to be like, hmm, that's sketchy. But then you meet them and be like, well, we're all on the same page. Totally. So yeah. it was like we didn't get it from afar. And then by the end of it, we're like, man, we could have been friends the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was um,
0: – we played in Ohio a couple of years ago. We were on tour at Crowbar. Crowbar, yeah. Oh, and, wow. uh, we played there at some spot. At
1: a, you probably you played at a uh, outpost. That could be it. Yeah, big, I was trying a kind of big place out in the middle of nowhere.
0: It's fairly big and it's out in the middle of nowhere. Junky. It, it looks like inside. the kind of place like like um, Le- Leatherface would like hang out at. Kind yeah. of you know what I mean? Yes. It has like we we pulled up and and I remember during the day and I was just like there's like a bar you go in uh-huh. and it was like. Yeah, I felt like uh, you know, we were gonna get abducted or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, no,
1: that was actually that's where Party of Helicopters played our first last show. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's got like some. <laughs> it's been some there forever. Then. It's been All there right. forever. Yeah. It's been a number of different things yeah. to you.
0: just just last summer I, we were, we were back there mm-hmm. on our own playing uh, we were on the short tour to go out to Denver to play this fest out there. And uh that was the first first gig was in Kent, Ohio. Wow. <laughs> it's like on a Monday night. Yeah, so. I mean,
1: that place does really well with heavy shows we've been playing there. Yeah, it's a, it's a you
0: know, it's yeah. a definitely, the one thing I, and whenever I think of Kent and I think of Akron, I think of this sandwich shop that I believe is in Akron, Ohio. And they have, uh, you know, specific names for these different sandwiches. Oh, yeah, Zubs. Zugs. Uh, Zubs? Zubs. Yeah. yeah. And late, I didn't, I didn't, I personally didn't eat anything from there, but we went, after one of the it was a the, the crowbar gig mm-hmm. and the guy who's doing merch for us got some sandwich that was like literally like a sandwich made out of two sandwiches yeah. it was like <laughs> grilled cheese two grilled cheese sandwiches <laughs> with the buns and there was meat in the middle and that was like pretty uh pretty intense like offering i thought
1: yeah you know? those are uh friends of ours mario and tiffany they own a lot of businesses around there like they're all like that style they just opened it uh, macaroni and cheese restaurant. Wow. Called man. Cheese and Chongs. Cheese and Chongs. And that's I mean it's Stoner macaroni and cheese, I feel like, is just ridiculous stuff. <laughs> it's uh it li- that's that place is a block from my house. Oh, I cool. live right around the corner. Yeah. It's
0: a nice looking town
1: definitely. It is I mean that area, like Highland Square, is like if you live in Akron that's probably where you want to live. Yeah. Because otherwise there's not a lot going on. There there
0: is a kid that was on that tour with us in our little entourage of people, he, he lived in Akron briefly oh. and he moved there to, to be in a band with somebody. And I was like, that's interesting, huh. man. You know, yeah. I, Akron, I wouldn't, I feel like in towns like that, like if, yeah, there's tons of bands from everywhere, mm-hmm. but usually it's like you, you're from that area and you know your friend and these are your friends or from neighboring towns. But, that's not necessarily a town that I would move to to start something, you know what I mean? No,
1: absolutely not. Yeah. Like, it's kind of a place where, like, I feel like if you, you had to grow up around right, there. Right, exactly. They and you knew there. how to make your way there. Yeah. But, like, if you know, for us at Earthquaker, it is a fucking great place to have a business, like it's—I mean—the city is very supportive with us. It's so cheap. There's no end to real estate, yeah. And because it. it, you know, it's a former like automotive, like industrial right. town. yeah. Tires thing. is what it was known for. And it used to be a huge, like, really well-off city, and then they moved it all overseas and like just abandoned the factories. It's like just all, all abandoned. So, you know, you got a lot of buildings to choose from. But, I mean, it's been, it's coming around. They're building it up. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff happening there now. Uh, for being in bands, it's amazing. Yeah, because practice it's so, spaces. Yeah, yeah, practice spaces. It's so cheap. Like, that's why Party of Helicopters and my other bands toured so much. We would, you could live in an amazing house and pay $70 a month in rent and utilities. No problems. Like, from, like, the 90s all the way to, like, the end of the 2000s. Like, wow. it didn't matter. Big, huge houses that were, like, beautiful. Pay nothing to live there. We are within, like, six to eight hours of every major city on the East Coast. So, like, you know, you could do a weekend, like, Chicago, Milwaukee, Detroit. It's, like, great for touring. Uh, Yeah, there's, like, a lot of super creative people there. Kent State University is a really good art school Mm -hmm. and fashion design, so it attracted a lot of really interesting people. So, I don't know, it was cool. So uh,
0: we're winding. At the time of this interview, we're winding down 2019. So, yep. are there any any big big things happening in the 2020 for uh, for this company,
1: or uh
0: any, any unveiling, any new effects, or
1: yeah? Well, in the past year, we weren't so busy with new releases. we were kind of concentrating on like just internal sure. things to fix. Um, but one thing we did last year that was super cool is we did kind of an Earthquaker or tour. Oh wow. uh, where we like brought our pedal boards around and it was four bands. We did it in Japan. So it was my band Relaxer and uh one of our demo artists, Lisa Belladonna Mm -hmm. from the US and then from Japan it was Boris and Crip City. And we did five dates. It's all like earthquaker centric sort of but really the focus is on the bands. And that was awesome. It was so much fun to do and we're trying to do more of that like hopefully next year in the US and in Europe and Australia and get some more bands, you know, involved. Um, Trying to do just more like interesting events like that where we can kind of combine all of our interests. In addition to that, we're gonna have a way busier year with releases. Uh, We have a a big backlog of kind of cool stuff, but we keep all that stuff secret until it comes out. one thing we're putting out—the cat's got out of the bag on this. <laughs> Last year we did a limited edition fuzz pe- or distortion pedal for the band Sun. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, first thing we're doing in 2020 is a production version of that pedal. Nice, but it is also limited. But this one is more 2,500. Wow. Then it's done. Um, smaller footprint. It's a uh, you know kind of based on the pedals that they are always known to use—a rat and an octave and a boost Um, you know all you need then is like 16 model T's and 40 cabinets and you'll get the sound but uh, (laughs) that's the first thing and uh, we're doing a synth module for the first time there's a lot of people in our shop who are into modular synth and uh, we're turning one of our most popular pedals the Afterneath Crazy Reverb into the synth module Um, and that should be pretty cool that'll be a first for us (laughs)
0: that's it for this week's episode of Metal Matters a Gimme Radio weekly podcast tune in next week and see what we have in store for you the show is available on all streaming platforms Apple Podcasts iTunes Spotify etc also be sure to check out Gimme Radio streaming on the web iOS or Android for one of the best metal communities exclusive merch interviews with artists and so much more I'll catch you guys next week take
1: care